Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened. This week, Denise and I thought we would talk about the psychology behind goal setting. How to really set goals that you can believe in and manifest and achieve. Before we dive into the topic, I have an article I've used for years when I'm teaching this type of manifesting topic stuff um, from the Washington Post that I wanted to share with you all. It's called 50 Things to Do Before I Die by Wendy Swallow Williams. And she starts off, a few weeks ago, I followed a friend into an art supply store. I found him picking out tubes of watercolor paint, which surprised me because he's not an artist. I signed up for a watercolor class and it starts next week, he said sheepishly. I don't really have time for it, but it was on my list of 50 things to do before I die, so I went for it. This sounded interesting. What else is on the list, I asked. All kinds of things, he said. Every few months, I look at the list and decide what to focus on next. Before I had the list, I moaned a lot that I was missing out on life. Now I just do stuff. Can I see your list sometime, I asked. I don't know, he said. It reveals a lot about me. Write your own list and you'll see what I mean. So that night, I did just that, and he was right. The list revealed a whole lot about what was important to me. It also revealed how hopelessly behind I am in getting to the things I really want. Just writing the list helped me sort through priorities. I filled up the first 20 blanks quickly, but then I began to think carefully. Eventually, I added items I haven't thought about for years, dreams I've carried with me since I was young, and things that resonated when I first heard about them. When I reviewed the list later, some entries surprised me. First, I want to travel more, particularly now that my children are older. There are 10 trips I'd like to make with my boys. I was also surprised to find some things on the list that needed to be done soon. If I'm going to rollerblade, for example, I'd better start before I turn 50. Some items, though, I can put off until I'm older. I'd love to grow flowers to really garden, but while I'm raising kids and working, I don't have time for roses. A few of the items are intimidating because they mean a serious commitment. I'd like to publish a novel before I die. I'd like to learn to draw and play piano. If I'm going to accomplish these things, I need to start writing every day and polishing my piano skills. I may not make it through the list. Some things may just be out of reach, such as New Zealand, and others ultimately may not work with the rest of my life, like owning a horse. Yet I see that I have already built the framework for many of these pipe dreams, and that if I make them goals today, there's no reason I can't find a way to taste at least a part of that reality tomorrow. Like my friend, I now have an alternative to complaining. When I'm bored with my life, I take out my list. Maybe I'll send off for travel brochures or take out my pencils in the backyard and doodle around for an hour. I have no idea how the boys and I will get to Africa, but if it's important enough, I'm sure we'll find a way. One of them might grow up to be a zoologist, or I might become a nature writer and get sent on assignment. I had a cousin who accomplished an amazing string of interesting things. She once told me the key was preparing so that life could work in mysterious ways. If you want your ship to come in, you must build a dock, she said. Thanks to my list, I'm working on some big docks. So I just thought that was a good way to start the show because it shows how if you want to set goals and goals that you can actually achieve, you have to start with a bucket list, with dreams, with things that you just hope you get to do one day because it starts to paint the framework. I started doing that about, oh, oh my gosh, it must be about 15 years ago now, is every year I do something, I'm going to learn something new. 
So when we moved back to Maine, my boys were young. They People ski here. That's what we do. There's a little hill in town. It's a big deal in this part of the state. I don't know how to ski. I never learned, but the boys were skiing. And the first year, I would watch them ski. And then I thought, this is ridiculous. I need to learn to ski. So I learned to downhill ski in my 40s. And every year since then, I've tried to find something. And it doesn't have to be a big over-the-top thing, but it also gives you confidence, but it helps you to grow and evolve and make the most of your time. Uh, and it can be like this. This past summer, I learned to ride a motorcycle, which was an absolute fiasco. But <laughs> but it was on. The, it was something I felt really drawn to do. And there was a means to an end of I wanted to be able to put a scooter on the back of the RV. So when I travel, blah, blah, blah. But it was, was it out of my comfort zone to be 25 years older than anyone else in the class and to be uh, very much so? Did I do it? Yes. Did I do it well? Hmm. The boat's out on that one. <laughs> but I can ride my scooter, so that's all that matters. So I, I think that that's a really, really important thing with goal setting is what intrinsic value does it have for you? What, why are you doing this? Why are you setting that goal for yourself? Is it to prove to yourself you can do something? Is it to change a behavior in your life? Is it to enhance your quality of life? They're all valid. Well, talk to us about the structure of setting goals, because you have some really good ideas on that. Well, I think this goes back to some things that I've done in my own life, but also being trained as a, a special ed teacher for so many years where federal and state laws mandate that you follow a certain process with paperwork, with IEPs, with what, how you write goals and objectives for, for students. So I think that those all apply to us as people because it's number one is setting the process versus a product goal. Like what is it that you really want to accomplish? What's your, if it's, I want to lose 10 pounds, then there's a process to doing that. It's not, so it has to, again, I feel I'm going to, jump back a minute. For, for me, what has always worked and for a lot of folks is it has to have intrinsic value or it's going to be a, an uphill battle. But by setting a, a specific goal that can be measured, if you're just making something mamsy-pamsy out there that, that can't be measured, it's going to be really hard to document if you're making progress or not. So back to the IEP example, if you want someone to be able to write a paragraph, you start with being able to write a sentence. You start with being able to, to do an out. You walk through the task analysis of the steps. It's similar in my mind to setting a goal that's, that you can actually attain. So do you mean avoiding goals like I want to be happy or I want to right. be successful? Right. It, it can be. I mean, it, and those are, are wonderful broad umbrellas, but it's it's too broad to make it measurable. And it's too broad to build up a plan to write out the steps to figure out what step can I take today to start to attain that goal. A, a big one is for me, I know if I eat less sugar, I feel better physically. It helps with my weight management and my arthritis doesn't ache. So natural and logical would be don't eat sugar, right? That's a good, good goal. Right. The reality is I have a horrific sweet tooth. I love delicious, and I think, so finding the balance in that, and I, you don't see this a lot in goal setting, but having some balance as well. So maybe that's not the best example. No, that is a good example. So instead of saying, I'm going to cut out all sugar from my diet, because you don't want to do that, especially if you're new to goal setting in this practical type of way, 
you don't want to set unreachable goals. Now, maybe at the end of 2020, you can reach that goal, but today you're not going to reach that goal. So setting a, breaking that in down into steps and saying, you know, I will reduce my sugar intake by this much this week and then building on that. A good example is I smoked cigarettes for 27 years. People look at me now and they're like, oh my gosh, you, you don't look like you would ever smoke. Even when I was a smoker, people didn't think I smoked. And I would try to quit and then I wouldn't. I quit when I was pregnant with the boys and when I was nursing the boys, but then lo and behold, I went back to it. But then I, I really started to wean myself off and the goal became, I want to be done with this. I want to be done with this albatross. I don't want, I don't want to have to worry, do I have a lighter with me? Do I have enough money for cigarettes? Right? And they started to get more expensive at the time. So my, how attached was I to that goal? And I was very attached. I wanted to be free of it and how committed I was to making that happen. So I think that that's really, really important is if, is how important is this to you? If you're doing it for someone else or because you think you're supposed to, it's not going to be as easy to attain or stick to. I agree. And that's why I think adding because to your goals is a really, really good thing to do. Instead of saying, I want to lose 10 pounds, try, I want to lose 10 pounds because, and then see what comes up for you. I want to reduce my sugar intake because my inflammation slows down, my weight decreases, my energy levels stable out. It will remind you of why that goal is important to you. Right. And being clear, being clear with what very precise, unambiguous, so that you, it can be implicit and measured. Because if you're throwing some vague net out there to catch everything, you're not going to have a clear direction to move in to take the steps you need to take. Do you think there should be a limit on the number of goals you set for yourself? Well, let's go back to the motorcycle example. That was a personal goal. It was something I wanted to do for, for the reasons I mentioned, but it didn't mean I wasn't working on other things in my life at the same time. I didn't, so I, I think it depends on what your goals are. So if you're looking to overcome an obstacle or do something out of your comfort zone or try a new skill or learn something new, that to me is something separate than I want to change my diet for long-term health and wellness. Right, right. So if it's an overwhelmingly big goal, maybe stick with one and break it down into smaller goals to lead you to that. But I don't think we should have 10 goals I'm going to accomplish you know, in the next three months. I, I think that's too much. I agree. So limit, limit it your, to yourself to what feels good. I usually say three to five goals per year is a, is a good range to, to stick to. Once you have set your goal and it's realistic and you've measured it, you can actually track it and see how you are actually accomplishing this on a daily, weekly, and monthly basis, what's the next step? Is it challenging enough for you? Are you getting bored with it? And I'm going to use paying off debt as an example with this one. If you have substantial debt and it's holding you hostage and you're, it's causing anxiety, depression, fear-based, all of those things, and in your heart of hearts you say, I need to get rid of this debt, it, it can be a very long process. And you need to have personal opinion, and I've been in that situation, is do you have benchmarks to get, like do you have intermediate goals that – so for me, I snowballed that. I started with my smallest balance. I paid it off and then I worked to the next one and I worked to the next one. You can Google this snowballing debt. 
it's a process. And I was about halfway through and so discouraged because I was working two jobs because my goal was, my, my big goal was I want this debt gone so that I can have freedom in my life. And about halfway through, it was so overwhelming because everything I made was going towards the debt. And it was that tunnel vision, that focus, but have something to have littler steps in between. So you feel a sense of accomplishment. I think that's really, really important, whether it's about debt or weight or, you know, uh, being more social, it doesn't matter what the goal is, but have intermediate places to check in with yourself to say, okay, I've made it this far. Now I need to push to the next step. Yeah. I think that's really important. And for some goals, I need to have visual reminders. Mm-hmm. Like when I set goals, some of my goals recently have been to drink more water every day. I know that sounds very simple, but I'm very used to not drinking water. And so I had to actually just print like a little checkoff list so that every time I drink my set amount of glasses of water each day, I could check it off and see. And it would be a reminder because we get so stuck in these habits of other ways of doing things. I did that when I, was, when I set a goal to meditate. I printed out a weekly calendar and every day that I would meditate, I'd either put a big M or a check mark just to remind myself because we can get so busy and wrapped up and, and fall back into old rituals that I think having that visual is really important. You can even buy goal tracker uh, journals like at Michael's and other craft stores. And there's online or phone apps you can use. There's all kinds of things to keep track of it. But going back to, you know, it needs to be challenging enough, but not so overwhelming. That's big because if it feels, and and I'm thinking about if you have to lose 100 pounds, that can be daunting, overwhelming. Where do I even start? Is it achievable? Yes. Is there a way to break that down so that it becomes, feels like it's going to be attainable as well? You know, do you believe, do you believe that you'd be able to do it? And I saw this little blurb when I was looking up some notes for the show and it's at the ABCs of goal setting. Is it achievable? Is it believable? And are you committed to it? And that really breaks it down nicely. Yeah, that really does. I have my own ABCs of goals and mine are ask, believe, conceive. Because I think you do have to ask the universe for help. You have to ask your guides for help. You have to ask that this will actually happen and be open to the help that you receive. Be open to synchronicities, coincidences, aha moments, ideas, friends offering to help. You have to believe in yourself and you have to believe in this goal. You have to believe in that because phrase that you've added to your goal. And then you have to conceive it. You have to visualize it. I think time spent daydreaming about achieving your goal is just as important as time spent achieving that goal or breaking it down. Because if you can go there in your mind, you can go there in the body. Everything they're saying about manifestation and achievement and all of those things now, the visualization, exactly what you're saying, and linking that with how am I going to feel when this happens? And as empaths, I think we need to add that step in. How will I feel when the debt is paid? How will I feel when I'm in jeans that are two sizes smaller? Don't you agree that it's kind of important to to acknowledge and that as well is the emotional connection behind why we're setting the goal? Yes, I think that's huge. That's how we speak to the universe is through pictures and feelings. I mean, think about when you dream, 
you're not dreaming in words, you're dreaming in pictures. If when Denise said sugar, did you see the word sugar spelled out or did you see a bowl of sugar or a candy bar? So we, we always visualize in pictures and we emote in feelings. And those are the two languages of the universe. So I, I, I think that's incredibly important is to focus on the feeling. How will you feel when this goal has been accomplished? And also to couch it in terms of a positive rather than a negative. And I think for a lot of us, we may fall into that hole of, I have to lose this weight because I'm fill in the blank. I'm not desirable or I'm my weight or my height or, or my health. Or, but instead of turning that around to be a positive goal of this will give me more, I'll be able to do more fun things in my life. I'll feel better about myself. One thing that I know for sure is that, <laughs> I said like Oprah for a second, one thing I know for sure is <laughs> that when you do achieve a goal that has been difficult and long and arduous, there is such a sense of accomplishment and sense of self that comes with that. I've never find it, found any other way to measure anything else in those degrees. That whether it's overcoming the odds that you never thought you'd be able to, or setting the goal, and then when you start to get closer and it starts to be like, oh my gosh, this is really happening, that's a real adrenaline rush. It is. And I think a key point to setting goals is also establishing the reward you'll give yourself when you get to that adrenaline rush and you achieve the goal. And I don't think enough people do that. They think achieving the goal is reward in itself. But I believe that you have to reward yourself in a concrete way when you've achieved a goal. And it doesn't have to be something big. You could just go out for a fancy dinner with a friend or a loved one. You could just have a little spa day for yourself and get a manicure pedicure. You could just, you know, get that, I don't know, that new thing you've been wanting for a while. But to send out a concrete message to your subconscious, to the universe, I did this and I'm celebrating myself in this way is important. A lot of times when you are working through this goal process, you're changing your way of dealing with whatever the item is you're trying to, or the issue that you're trying to overcome. So, I mean, debt and weight seem to be big things for a lot of people. But if while you're paying off your debt or while you're losing the weight, you're changing the way you look at it and your relationship with it, when you get on the other side of that, you've not only achieved the goal, you've rewired yourself to move forward in a new direction without having to worry about falling back into those old patterns and ending up back at square one. Yeah, exactly. And so take your goals and really drill down. Like, for example, I always tell people the subconscious is like a, like a little robot. It doesn't judge you. It doesn't question your goals. It just takes whatever you feed it. And so if you say, oh, my goal is I, I want more love in my life, or my goal is to find love, well, your subconscious is going, well, do you love yourself? Yeah. Do you have love from friends and family? Yeah. Well, then you've got love. Next, moving on. Mm -hmm. So you have to be really, really specific. And so instead of saying like, I want love in my life, you need to say, I want to meet my true love. Okay, well then drill down on that. What do you need from a true love partner? What does that look like to you? Create a list. And then out of that, come up with your mantra, your goal, your empowered sentence, your affirmation. And while you're doing that, you want to look at that goal and think, 
what actions can I take today to get closer to there? And every day you want to think, what can I do to get closer to that goal? And what are some obstacles you worry might pop up? Because fear is the destroyer and fear will kill the momentum we're building up around goals. So if you face them head on beforehand, like for example, the thought of giving up sugar totally kind of terrifies me, Denise. <laughs> well, it's not happening in my world, but anyway. Um, well, I have reduced my intake and I've done a lot of substitutions with natural like stevia or I'll try to use honey or, you know, things like that to just wean myself off of it. But some of the fears about giving up sugar are just nothing's going to taste good. And, and I love my little cozy baking days where the kids and I make cookies. And, and so I just try to face those fears and say, okay, well, there's new ways of doing that. You can, you can bake with other alternative sources of natural flavoring. Okay, but if you don't have health issues, so obviously if you're in the throes of diabetes, you shouldn't be, you may choose not to bake cookies. That's not going to be a, a good thing to do for yourself. But there's also, the, it's balance. Have yeah, a cookie right. now and again, if, if it's not going to devastatingly impact your health, I'm okay with that. I yes. think everything in moderation. Yes, exactly. Taking those questions to your goal of reducing debt, you know, what actions can you take today to reduce your debt? Well, you can bring your lunch to work. You can not stop at Starbucks for a coffee. You can get unleaded gas instead of premium unleaded gas. There's, you know, little things you can do every single day. Obstacles or worries that will pop up with reducing debt, we'll face those. I think some of the things that we face with that goal is, well, the unexpected money stuff that pops up. And so if you tackle those before, you give your momentum to that goal, you'll be prepared for those challenges that will come up. And also have safeguards in place when well-meaning or not so well-meaning people in your life try to divert you from what you're trying to accomplish. So you're working really hard, you're going to the gym, you're working on your diet, you have your goal in place, and a friend says, oh, come on, let's go out and have to, one, one day off won't matter. Just be aware of, is this in what I want to do to accomplish my goal? You have to be kind of strong with yourself on these, I think. Well, what do you think about that? Because I, I always tell people, like in my little manifesting e-course, I, I have written in there only tell certain people about your goals. I don't think you should share with everyone your goals because some are going to be naysayers and you don't need that, especially when your goal is a little baby seed and hasn't even taken root yet. So right. don't you think you have to be discerning about who you tell? Very much so. Very, very much so. Like, let's say you are trying to lose weight and you don't want to go out to the Mexican restaurant and, and get the giant taco salad that's like a thousand calories you don't have to tell your friend that you can just say i have to work tonight or go to the restaurant but just get a healthy salad instead and and don't even explain to them but if people try to sabotage your goals so years ago i remember when south beach was a big diet and it was yeah. all everyone so i did that it was the first time in my life i didn't crave sugar because you eliminate carbs, you eliminate sugars, you did all that stuff. 
and a friend invited me over knowing I was on this diet. And I love, love, love Italian food. Love it. Love pasta. I love sauces. I love breads. Mm. And that's what they served. And I, being polite, I ate it. I ate the bread. And then they brought out this beautiful cake. And I, of course, I, had, I didn't want to be disrespectful. And there's this chocolate cake in front of me. But the person knew what I was doing, but I, wouldn't, I couldn't sit in someone else's home and say, I'll just have a side salad. I ate the food and then I beat myself up later on thinking, why did I do that? But I also had to acknowledge that person didn't really want me to succeed. And that was harsh. Right. It, or spaced out and didn't realize, but I, I guess it doesn't, it depends on how you want to look at it. So well, I agree with you entirely of, be selective of who you share your, your goals with. Dr. Andrew Weil has a really good chapter on that in his book, Seven Weeks or Eight Weeks to Optimum Health. He says you, you are going to fail along the way to achieving your goal. That is not an excuse or a reason to give up on the goal. So I believe he uses the example of quitting smoking. And he says, you know, if you've decided to quit smoking and then a stressful event happens and you light up, don't say, oh, well, that's it. I'm a failure. I suck. I guess I'm smoking. No, he says, take a pause and say, okay, today was a bad day, but I had seven days leading up to this where right. I didn't smoke. We'll start tomorrow. And so I think if you were in that situation where the friend was sabotaging you with your favorite foods, that's okay. That's one bad day. You know, it's like one of my favorite expressions. It's, it's a bad day, not a bad life. Okay, so I want to shift things a little bit. So we're talking about big things like debt and uh, you know weight and lifestyle changes. But I talk to a lot of people, and I know you do as well, and you and I have had conversations of when there's something you really want to do in your life, whether it's I want to become a, a, a writer, a dancer, a musician. I want to go to the next supervisory level in my job. And for you, it's a very personal goal. That to me is, it's almost more, more protective of that than I'm going to lose 20 pounds. Does, do you agree with that? Like if yeah. you fostered something that I, if it's always been on the back of your mind and we know you're an amazing writer and that you're in the process of writing this incredible book but that's been a long time coming and you've written other books, but this one is the one that's going to open the big doors, right? And it, so that's a different thing than, is it okay that I use that example? Yes, yes, of course. Okay, okay. Because I feel like that has been something you've held sacred and you've had as a goal for so long. There's going to be a lot more energy around that. There's going to be a lot more emotional attachment to it than if it's something that is, I want to learn to ride a motorcycle. Would I still be okay and have a high quality of life if I hadn't gone to the motorcycle class? Yes. It hasn't been a long-term goal of mine. I think when we have long-term goals, which are often called dreams, that there's a vulnerability in that. Yes. You know, because they are a part of who we are. And, and that's why I, I also advocate for not calling them dreams, for calling them goals. Like, I don't like it when people say, I've always had a dream of being a writer. I've always had a dream of being an artist. I've always had a dream of being on stage. Well, dreams are just that, dreams, illusions, things we visualize while we're sleeping. And your subconscious is very literal. So first things first, don't call it a dream, call it a goal. But also to recognize if it's an intricate part of you, if it's just who you are inside, 
you are a performer, you are a writer, you are a dancer, you are an intuitive, whatever it is, then you have to be extra careful with that goal and who you share it with. And you have to be extra careful with yourself and how you choose to birth it into the world. Yes, yes, yes. What just popped into my head, this is totally random, is to be realistic as well. So that if your goal is, I want to be on the red carpet and accepting my Emmy, getting, going in to get my Emmy, and you've never, ever been on a stage before in your life, it's good to have that dream, but what steps are getting you there? And what I thought about is the town I grew up in was predominantly Italian and Portuguese, and we had a lot of petite, beautiful little Italian girls. We had one of the statewide, um, one of the top gymnastics teams in the state because we had all of these little tiny people that could fly through the air with ease. Obviously, I was not one of those little tiny people that could, who could fly through the air with ease. So that wouldn't have been a realistic goal for me to say, I'm going to be a gymnast. Never going to happen. Not in this lifetime. So be, be honest with yourself as well. Not in a cruel way of, of circumventing what you really want to do, but don't make it such a goal that it's not really who you are or... It does I feel like I'm I'm almost making it a negative to go after something and no, I don't no, no. mean it I, that way at all. I think what you're saying so I've taught manifesting workshops for years and I got my department chair at the college where I work to give me permission to teach this as part of the narrative writing essay. And so I would I've worked with students for years helping them put their goals into writing. And what I noticed when students had big goals, like I want to win an Emmy, I want to win an Oscar, I want to be an, an NBA player, and they weren't doing anything towards it. It wasn't yes. really the goal that they wanted. So I had to get them to look at what do you think will happen in your life when you win that Emmy? Well, I'll be right. successful. People will like me. Okay, let's start there. What can you do in the next one to three years to make you feel successful? It's not the big, happy, fancy, fun, paparazzi dream. It's, that's really not what they want. Because look, if you want something, if you truly want something, ain't nothing going to stop you. Right. And that goes back to the psychology of setting the goals of what is it you really, really want from this? Is it that you'll be more attractive to people in a dating situation if because you feel better about yourself because you want to put something out into the world that's going to help people heal or grow or find their own inner truth and in knowing? Is it because you want attention and that's okay if that's what you right. really want? It, it's your personal thing. I think that's a big, big thing that can be a stumbling block as well is exactly what you, the way you just described it. And that always used to amaze me, especially when I taught middle school, of how many people wanted to be a rock star, or they wanted to be a the famous athlete, or they wanted to be this. And the chances of that happening are slim to none. And I'm not saying don't go after that if that's your dream or if that, that's your goal, but also know that you can have success with that at a different level and still have a wonderful life. Exactly. I mean, it's you have to look at what's behind the goal mm -hmm. and you have to want it in such a way that even if it doesn't happen, you'll still do it. So even if you never win that Emmy, you'll still act at your local community theater. 
if you have that kind of drive and passion behind a goal, you'll get there or close to it. But what you want to look at is why is this important to me, this specific goal, whatever it is, and then break it down into more reasonable steps. And again, with those big vulnerable goals, please be very careful who you share them with. Yes. Because there's, there's a lot of people out there. We all want stuff, but not everyone has the oomph behind it to get it. And sometimes we have to be really honest with ourselves and realize that while we might want this thing over here, this other thing we're doing, we actually want more. I've told this story before in my Psychic Teachers podcast, but I have a friend who works out every day. Well, she's actually a fitness trainer, so yeah, she works out every day. And she runs 10 miles a day for fun. That's Mm -hmm. like her release. So I bake cookies for my release. She runs. And we were talking one day, and and she was asking about books I had read recently. and, And she said, where do you find all the time to read? And I was like, I don't know. And And then a couple of minutes later, she was talking about how she left her house and ran to the beach and ran home. Well, to drive from her home to the beach is a 20-minute drive. And I'm like, you ran to the ocean and then you ran on the sand and then ran home. I was like, where do you have time to do that? And we both just laughed and laughed and laughed. And I realized, do I want to have a fit, toned, eight-pack ab body? Yes, I do. Who doesn't? But Do I also want to stay home most nights and cozy up on my couch and read a book? Yeah, I kind of want that more. And I had to be really honest with myself about that and look at, okay, well, I'm not a runner. What do I like that can keep me in shape? Well, I like yoga. So I do yoga. Do I have an eight-pack set of abs? No. Am I okay with that? Yeah. So do you know what I'm saying? Like, look at what you want and then ask yourself, do I really want that or am I wanting something more? Am I okay with that? And if the answer is yes, then be okay with that. And if the answer is no, then tweak some things and find a situation that's a happy compromise. Is it a priority? Is it a priority? Yeah. And I think you have to look at why this goal is important to you as well. You know, that's, that's that because statement I mentioned earlier, because sometimes I don't think people really know who they are or what they want. And I think they just follow along with what the crowd wants. And they never take that really important pause to think, do I want all of these things? Is this truly what I want for my life? And that can change. That can change day to day, month to month, year to year, decade to decade. Something that some of the choices that I've, I've made in the last 10 years were never on my screen. They were never things that I wanted to do or, but when they appeared in my life and I thought, oh, I really do want that. It made sense at where I was at that point. It wouldn't have made sense 20 years ago. Right. And so you have to be able and flexible to change with your changing self. Right. Now I just did a whole hour long show on a part of this for psychic teachers a couple of weeks ago on the reticular activating system. It's a bundle of nerves at the base of our brain. So I won't go into detail on it now, but if you want to learn more about it, just listen to the psychic teachers episode. Um, I think it was November 7th that it was posted the first week in November, but Denise, it's fascinating. 
Science has started to show that the reticular activating system, RAS, at the base of your brain is a filter, and it filters out anything you tell it to filter out. And so scientifically, this explains why you can be in a really crowded room and still hear someone go, Denise, you know, why out of all that noise and music and people talking, were you able to filter that out and still hear your name calling? Because you have subconsciously programmed your RAS to filter out nonsense and only listen for your name. And so science is starting to prove and show that we actually tell our subconscious what to deliver to us in the world. And I love that there's science now behind affirmations. So if you're constantly saying, I'm never going to achieve this dream, I'm never going to lose those 10 pounds, this debt is always going to be with me, it's just my little albatross, I'm going to make friends with it, then your, your RAS, your reticular activating system, is actively seeking out situations, people, and opportunities to prove that to you. And this is why I think it's really important if you're going to set a goal that's close to your heart, you have to work very hard to get all the negative crap out of your way so that you're not unconsciously programming your RAS to mirror that back to you. Does that's that make fascinating. sense? It's very fascinating. Power of this, what you're describing in our subconscious impact so many of the choices and decisions we make. Right. It impacts everything. It, it dictates our entire life, which is why we have to realize that we have that power to program it with what we feed it, with our thoughts, with what we watch, with what we read, with who we hang out with, with the beliefs we choose to associate ourselves with. We are constantly teaching our reticular activating system what to filter out for us. And so as, as hokey as they might sound, Affirmations work. Reading self-help books work. Watching motivational speakers helps because it's all programming your RAS to deliver that back to you. What just came into mind is, I can't remember who I was talking to recently, but someone had a, a dream slash goal, which in, in my perspective, and I would never, ever say that, but in my perspective, I, I almost want to roll my eyes and thinking that that's ridiculous. But I stepped back and I thought that's, their, that's theirs. That's what they, in their heart of hearts, really feel is the place they need to go next. So if someone else is coming into your life and they're saying, I'm going to do this and this and this, and you're thinking, oh, there's no way in hell they're going to do that, don't put that energy out into their field. Because that's not fair either. No, that's passive aggressive, in my opinion. Yes, yes. And, and also not to let that come back into your field. If, if you know you want to sing at the Met and you are going to do everything humanly possible to sing at the Met, then take the lessons, do what you need to do, do everything humanly possible. Because then when you get to the end of the game and you look back, even if you didn't sing at the Met, you'll be able to say, but look at all the incredible experiences and choices I made to try to move in that direction. Right. And take action steps. If you want to sing at the Met, sign up for singing lessons. Volunteer to sing at your church. Join a musical theater group. If you want to present on stage, join your local Toastmasters group. Like Take those steps locally right now that you can do to get to that bigger dream. 
I have a, another quick article I'd like to share because it illustrates my passionate belief in the power of putting pictures to our goals and helping our subconscious mind to visualize, manifest, and create our goals for us in real time. So this is um, an article about a woman named Charlie Levinson. It says, over 40 and female in St. Louis is a very tough place to be, says the twice-divorced Charlie Levinson, who found the local dating pool rather shallow. Trembling at the brink, it all started with a fashion spread and a magazine. No joke, that's what changed her life. I opened the February issue to a picture of a sweet couple walking down the street with their groceries. He was wearing jeans and cowboy boots, and she was wearing a poncho. They were living the life I wanted to live. The photo even looked a little like the Central West End, her favorite part of St. Louis, where she lived. That night, I put the picture in my purse and took it to happy hour, she says. I told my girlfriends, I believe I'm going to meet this man, and we are going to buy a little place in the Central West End and go grocery shopping at Straub's and walk home together. After her friends picked themselves up off the floor laughing, one of them turned the picture into a paper airplane and sent it sailing through the bar. But a week later, she was sitting in her local Starbucks when she spotted a handsome man wearing jeans and cowboy boots. When he went up for cream and sugar, I thought, he can't leave, I have to do something. So she plunked down her business card right in front of him and then left. Mr. Cowboy Boots, <laughs> a.k.a. Lee Levinson, a vice president at Lehman Brothers, called a few days later, and after several long conversations, the two arranged to meet. On the very first date, I gave him a little kiss and told him, you know, you'll never meet another woman like me, Levinson recalls. Although she says most men would have run away screaming from a statement like that, he just smiled and said, okay. She says Lee is incredibly self-aware, and I was touched by his honesty. We were each looking for a partner, and we were willing to dive in head first, and with both feet apparently. A few weeks later, they started dating. The couple married on December 10th. We recently bought a brownstone in the central west end, she says proudly, every Saturday morning, we walk to the market together. Oh. So it's exactly as she pictured, just from one photo. So did that photo make her meet this love of her life? No. But what it did was it programmed her rest, it, her subconscious, and told her to look out for a man like this and to help deliver to her a situation where she could create this goal of sharing her life with a man like this, where they could go shopping and live in the central west end of her town. I mean, it's so simple, but it works. And sometimes simple is better. Yeah, I think so too. Because we just, we have to believe it. I mean, that's what she said to her friends. I believe I'm going to meet a man like this. And if you believe it, you really, really can do it. Here, here's another quick little paragraph. This is a psych, this is a experiment that was reported in psychological science. It's called simply thinking of your daily activities as, as exercise helps shed pounds says a new study in psychological science. Four weeks after a group of hotel housekeepers were told that the activity they did at work counted as exercise, they dropped two pounds each and lowered their, their blood pressure by 10% without making a single change in their activity. Those who weren't clued in didn't show any benefits. Our minds have more control over our bodies than we think, says Ellen Langer, PhD, Harvard professor and study co-author. No, this doesn't mean you should nix the gym, but remind yourself that moderate activity like horseplay counts and you may just boost your fitness. So you can read that larger study if you, if you Google the housekeep, hotel housekeeper study in psychological science. But these women didn't do anything differently 
they were just told to believe that their activities cleaning this hotel would help them shed pounds and they shed pounds. That's very cool. I know. And so if you, if you start to look at the goals that you're, that you want to accomplish and you realize that they're breakable, you can break them down into measured steps and then you start to take actions you'll start to believe that you actually can do this. And then the universe will conspire like magic. I mean, at least to me in my own life, it feels like magic when it happens to help create these events so that you can achieve this, this goal. And it's a beautiful way to get ready for moving your life in a new direction by setting these goals that either they've been on the back burner for a long time or they're a new goal you're bringing to life or you're thinking of the upcoming year and you're thinking, hmm, what, or, or an event in your life that may be upcoming that you'd like to have some changes in place in your life. Yes. I have one more thing I want to say before we wrap up. We mentioned the ABCs of goal setting. I want to mention the three R's of manifesting. Mine are release, return, and receive. I think when we are trying to manifest a goal, we have to release it to the universe, meaning we have to be open to options. It's like the secret says, the hows are the domain of the universe. So don't worry so much about how you're going to achieve this goal. Break it down into steps. Do what you can, but be willing to surrender the rest of it, the stuff that you can't control, to the universe. So that's the release, and that's really an important step. The return process So many studies have been done, Denise, that show if you are giving back to your life in some way, I like to call it spiritual tithing, where you you give back, usually anonymously, in some way that uplifts your soul and puts you in that circle of gratitude and that energy of, I have enough to give. And I don't even just mean financially, I mean emotionally, spiritually. That's going to charge up your goal. And then receive. While you're working on your goal, you have to be open to receiving in all areas of your life. I think this is one thing empaths in particular struggle with. We're much, much more comfortable giving and helping and healing than we are receiving that in return. But when we say no to offers of help and assistance, and I'm not talking about stuff to do with your goal. I mean, let's say you have set a goal that you're going to go to the gym three times a week. And then a neighbor offers to babysit your kids one night. Don't say no to that. Even though it has nothing to do with your goal of going to the gym, say, yes, thank you so much. That would be a huge help because that's going to put you in this energy of being receptive to the other gifts that the universe is trying to bring to you. Very well put. Those are my three R's. Release, return, receive. And that will help to charge up the energy around your goal and give you the the courage, the enthusiasm, the passion, the drive, but also the little bit of magic that we all need when we're trying to achieve our goals. Beautiful. Well, we hope this has been helpful, everyone, and we hope it's given you some motivating things to ponder as you are getting ready to close out 2019, which I can't believe we're heading into the final month. Can you? No, it's amazing. It really is. I'm very excited about 2020, though. So I hope this show has given you guys just something to think about as you write down your goals for the new year. I don't like the word resolutions because it's so fraught with people dropping them by February and 
I don't know, it kind of feels like rules more than goals. So I like to use the word goals more. So you have goals that you have achieved or wonderful manifesting stories that have materialized in your life. We'd love to hear them. You can email us enlightenedempaths at gmail.com or you can message us on Facebook under Enlightened Empaths. My website is samanthafay.com. Denise's is thegratefulmessenger.com. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Have a great, magical week yourselves. As always, please remember, show up, do great work, share your light. Take care.